Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. In the house on Vision Sunday, make some noise. No, you got to be louder than that. Make some noise if you're going to be in a house on Vision Sunday. You see my hat? You can't forget. I had a hat made and a sweatshirt made that says 10-15-23. What's happening on 10-15-23? Are you going to bring somebody? Come on, make some noise for Vision Sunday. Make some noise for Vision Sunday. And I'm excited to share the word today, but before I do, man, is this burden I have on my heart that I woke up with this morning that I, I didn't really feel like if it was the right timing to share it. Um, but I want to just tell you as your pastor and hopefully your spiritual leader is something you need to know. I had the best chicken wings I've ever had in my life yesterday. (laughs) I was wrestling on whether or not to tell you like, Lord, is this the time? And the Lord said, it's the time I had the best chicken wings. Somebody better clap their hands with some good chicken. I had the smoke dry rub chicken wings from Blood Souls Barbecue on La Brea Avenue. Make some noise for Blood Souls, somebody. And I, when I tell you I was eating the chicken, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I took my hat off out of respect. I chewed the chicken with my hat over my heart like this. It was, I'm telling you, it was fire. The dry rub smoked chicken wings. And I, and I anybody grew up real quick where you had a grandma or a mom that inspected your plate before you threw it in the trash? to make sure there was no meat on the chicken bone? A- anybody else? <laughs> like, you grew up like that? Like, boy, don't leave no meat on that bone. If you put these mamas at the border with no drugs, get in. Because they could find the smallest amount of meat on the chicken bone. Anybody got a chipped tooth? Because you try to tell your mama that wasn't chicken, it was gristle. And you, come on, somebody, man. Who am I preaching to? <laughs> got to finish all the chicken, man. There's just something that came over me, and I felt that I needed in the Lord's presence to tell you about this chicken. So if you consider me to be your pastor, I'm going to give you time because I'm patient. In the next calendar year of your life, I need you to walk up to me on a Sunday service and say, Pastor Julian, I had the chicken. I had the chicken. I had the chicken. I just want to see, and I'll bring it up. I I believe there's some spiritual things happening here. I might bring it up multiple times in the sermon today because I feel like the Lord wants to bless you. Somebody shout amen. I'm a vegan. I don't know why he's talking about chicken. I would like for him to talk about guacamole. That's where the Lord. Anybody had almond milk? This morning? Almond milk? Tofu? Soybean lattes or whatever y'all be drinking that cost you. I'll take a soybean latte. I, I just... I'm just waiting for somebody to get up and walk out because they're a vegan right now. Does he not understand, like, what's in that stuff? What's in actual chicken? No, I I understand what's in it, and it's delicious. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, I don't know how to get out of what I just said, so just... If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. We are in a series affectionately titled, Let Him Cook. Got it off these young people always yelling at uh, on the internet. And uh, it's really about a life surrendered to Jesus. I think 
I'm growing increasingly concerned about a generation that believes in Jesus but does not follow or surrender to the Jesus they believe in. And, and we do this because at the end of the day, there are times in your life, there are times in my life where I am convinced that I know best, that I really know what's best for me. There are things that God will ask you to do that the Bible says to someone that does not have the Holy Spirit, it will be foolishness. You are in the will of God when God is asking you to do something crazy that someone else around you thinks is crazy, but you know by faith that it is the Lord. And there are times, I believe, that when you are prepared to do the most fruitful, amazing, favor-filled, unbelievable, blessed thing in your life, God is asking you to do something that's the exact opposite of not just what you want to do, but what you're wired to do. And the world is telling you to be yourself. And I would tell you not to be yourself, but to be your transformed self. There's a difference between yourself and your transformed self. There is the self, the flesh, the Bible calls, that is unaided by God, that has not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, that has not yet been in God's presence. And that self is a powerful self. But then when we get in the presence of God and we renew our mind with the word of God, we actually become a different person. One of the most, the best thing about my job is all of you. The hardest thing about my job is I'm discovering that in order to lead effectively, I have to be a totally different person around eight, every 18 months to three years, or else the church that was growing is now dying because I won't change. I've learned this. The most favorite thing about my marriage is my wife, but I have learned that if I don't change dramatically every 18 months to three years, the marriage that used to be thriving is dying because I won't change. Most people get divorced, and this is not here to, to, to shame anybody who's been divorced. I, I understand I have compassion, but we would all agree that most divorces happen because someone in the relationship or both in a relationship can't, won't, or refuses to change. Change is actually how God gets his will in the earth. And I'm afraid that if we keep talking about love and grace and not change, we don't realize that the most powerful love and the most powerful grace you could ever experience should and will change you. A love that doesn't change is not love. As a matter of fact, we reduce faith down to just Jesus loving people. Jesus loves people. But there are many different types of love in the Bible. And whenever you see God's love in the Bible, it is never talking about the relational, uh, uh, sexually attracted love that the world is consumed with. That, that is in the Bible. It's called eros, where we get the word erotic. That, that is a real biblical word. And there are attractions out there. And I, I get all that. But whenever you see God's love in the Bible, it is never talking about that love. Is talking about a love that comes from a beautiful word, agape, which means moral preference. It means a love from someone who is operating in the moral preferences of God, which elevates their character to such a place that their love becomes more impactful. So yes, when God says to go into the world and love the world, he also at the same time is trying to get your mind and you aligned with his character and his word because every single person who bears the image of God, their love becomes more impactful than someone who does not bear the image. Your character makes your love more impactful. And so in this series, Let Them Cook, I found four ways, and I'm not saying these are the only ways to surrender, but this is the, the ways that come up a lot when I pass the people. And the first one we talked about in week one, I hope you were there. If not, you can watch it on YouTube or the podcast, but we need to understand, we need to assess how receptive are we to God's word. Uh, th there's this term in the Bible or a term in culture called deconstruction. I've sent 
sat down with a lot of people that are deconstructing, and most of it is trying to undo parts of the Bible that don't make sense to them and leave the parts that do. Um, and that has its place uh, nowhere in the Christian faith. Nowhere. Because you will deconstruct out of your life something that God wants there. And if it doesn't make sense, which we're going to pop into you, it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. But it's foolishness, the Bible says, if the part that you're using to process that scripture is unaided, unaffected by the Holy Spirit, it is foolishness. So how receptive are we are? Not do you listen, because people who listen to God's word without receiving it become religious. And just put that expectation on all other people. Number two, which we talked about last week, is how responsive are you to God's presence? I, I was telling the worship team today, are you grateful for our, our praise team? These guys are unbelievable. These, this is just so amazing. And I said, man, I want to have a presence of God so strong that only the wicked could resist it. The indifferent would have to praise God. The people who don't believe would have to praise God because uh, together as a church, we allow people to come into God's presence. And I'm so proud to be the pastor of a church that actually gives God the praise and honor that he is due. Good on y'all for giving God all the praise he is worthy because there's often humans we give praise to that we won't give that same praise to God. How responsive are we to God's presence? And then week three, which we're going to talk about today, is how submitted are you to God's will? How submitted are you to God's will? And then next week is how passionate are you for God's house? And, and I want you to come to that, the one next week, because I'm really going to unpack some things. Because when I say how passionate you are for God's house, I don't mean do you serve 60 hours as an unpaid intern with no job and no personal blessing in your life. And your leaders are leveraging your struggles in life to get you to work for them for free. Not talking about that kind of passion. I am talking about a passion that, that, that does not come to get the affirmations of your leader or your pastor, but a passion that comes directly from God. Not to, to, to please people or honor people, but it comes from the Lord. But today, how submitted are you to God's will? The will of God. God has a will that is almost 100% of the time different from yours. It's never the same. And, and one of my favorite people of all time, uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, Many people know that Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. And we reduce Martin Luther King's dream down to the desire for there to be equality for black people. And when I mean reduction, I mean that Martin Luther King was definitely about equality for not just black people, but all people across the board. But that's not why he was doing what he was doing. He wasn't doing that because he saw a problem he was trying to fix. And I love the fact that we can quote, I have a dream, and that we are learning to memorize this sometimes in schools by heart. But what we miss about Martin Luther King that we rarely hear about is the most important phrase, in my opinion, that he said is, I have been to the mountaintop. Because it was where he had been with God that he had got that mission to what he was doing in the earth. 
And he said, and I looked over and I have seen the promised land. And he said in his final speech that I don't care if they kill me, and I'm paraphrasing, longevity has its place. I, like any man, would like to live a long life, but I just want to do God's will. Name a history book that brings up Martin Luther King that also brings up that it was revealed to him on the mountaintop from God himself that God had desired for all people, no matter your color, race, or where you come from, to experience the equality in this nation. He was doing that because God had revealed to him to do that. And when we strip God out of justice, and we strip God out of mercy, and when we strip God out of equality, then we have people that are angry, but they're not doing the will. It was God's will. He was obsessed with God's will, and he died at 38 trying to accomplish the will of God. I believe that God is calling us to be a church that understands, knows, and does God's will. First Peter um, chapter 4, Peter is dealing with a, a community that is saved, and they're saved primarily from two different things. They're saved from the religious mindset of focusing on the law, the law, the law, the law, and not Jesus. Uh, um, and, or they were saved from a Gentile Roman culture, which was super lit, and they were wilding, and everything was permissible. And so they were saved not just from religion, but from culture, but from both. And they had mixed together to form the church. And now they were trying to do God's will. And now they're upset because they're being rejected by Rome, who, who rejects anyone that doesn't do it the way that they think even though everything they do is against the word, but they're also being rejected by religious people and they're trying to do God's will, but doing God's will is filled with rejection and they're starting to, the church is starting to gravitate either back to religion or, or back to culture and both of them are horrible. So the reason why is because the desire to be accepted was outweighing the desire to be obedient. And so they knew if they got hyper-religious and bashed culture and said everybody else was bad and we are good, then the religious leaders would accept them. There are churches that are doing that today. They're creating places of acceptance where the world doesn't accept us. We'll just build this tribe over here and we'll bash everybody. But then there's also the, the Christians that are going back to Rome and saying, well, I don't know if that's a sin and I don't know if that is this. I mean... Christ just said to love people, so I'll just be over here trying to figure out what that means to love people. And the devil loves when you say that because he knows God is looking for someone who wants to do his will in the earth. And his will comes with a character shaped and formed by the word. And so the enemy, when he knows that God is getting ready to use you mightily, he will make you indifferent to the word of God because he knows that someone shaped Formed, transformed by the word of God, God will use mightily. And so what I'm saying is there's this place in the middle with Jesus and with his will that is not the religious example that we see where we think we got it right and everybody has it wrong. And it is not the cultural example that we see that tells us to do whatever we feel and be whoever we think that we are. But there's something in the middle that is transformed by the presence of God and becomes a person who desires and wants to do the will of God. And so Peter is talking to these people that are finding themselves 
in the middle. How many people feel like they're in the middle? You just can't roll with those religious people, but you also can't be wilding out in these streets like that either, and you don't know where you fit. Come on, I'll raise my hand. When I became a pastor, I'm like, I definitely don't want to be with these religious people over here. I only want to cuss every once in a while. I mean, I don't really want to just have a foul mouth, but I want to let a few things slip out here and there. But I don't want to be as lit as they are, right? I don't want to be drunk every day, but I do enjoy a few margaritas here and there. So I don't quite fit over here because, you know what I'm saying, your girl, like, Salt on the rim, yes, please. And, but, so I, but I don't want to get drunk. I just want to have a little something, something to calm my nerves. You know, come on, some black people was always doing something to calm their nerves when I was growing up. If you don't pray, if you don't pray, just a little salt on the rim of the margarita to calm my nerves. But I ain't trying to be in these streets wilding like that. And then there's over here, like, we have to vote this way, and we are the righteous ones, and they are the wicked ones, and we are. And I don't really fit in either one. I'm not as trifling as these people, and I'm not as judgmental as these people, so where do I go? And you find yourself in the middle where you are not woke enough to be with these people, and you're not hyper-religious enough to be with these people. And so now you're alone and rejected in the middle. And you start to look for communities that accept different things. And so Peter is talking and trying to encourage people that are in this situation. If you're at Oasis, you are like, if you chosen this church, you are likely in, in this situation. You're a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you're trying to figure it out. And so Peter says this crazy thing that I just, this is not going to sound encouraging, but it's going to end encouraging. And... Um, if, if, if it starts to get a little rough, I'm just going to be like, try the chicken, try the chicken. Just <laughs> set your heart on it. Just, I don't know what else to tell you. It says in verse four, uh, 1, so then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself, which is a military turn, with the same attitude. An attitude, a good attitude, or a Christ-like attitude was used in a military term. You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too for if you have suffered physically for Christ you have finished with sin can I just stop here for a second and talk about the suffering that Peter's talking about he is talking about the suffering between God's will and your own so God's will he wants you to do a certain thing and your human will what you want to do is so embedded in who you are it creates suffering and so then what you say and what I've said is Lord if you want me to stop doing this, you're going to have to take it away. Because not doing it is creating such an inner conflict with who I am, I'm going to need you to take away. It's kind of like if I was at Blood Souls with the chicken, Lord, if you don't want me to eat another chicken wing, you're going to ask this waitress in Jesus' name to come get this plate. And so, you know, you be eating, overeating, somebody say, get this away from me. No, stop. You have to sit there and you have to resist it. The Bible says that you're doing God's will when you resist and run from something that yourself actually wants to do. And this verse is saying that that creates an inner turmoil and a different type of suffering so deep that it makes you think that if I feel this way, it must be okay. 
if I feel this way when I don't have this, if I feel this way when this isn't happening, most people pursue dreams based off the despair that they feel when they don't have them. Did you hear what I just said? Never pursue a dream based off the despair that you feel at the thought of not having it. Pursue a dream based off the joy you had when God revealed to you that he was going to do that in your life. That's the point of a dream that God gives you is the joy set before you when God reveals. And Peter is going, uh, when you have done suffered, when your flesh and the spirit are done with this warfare, it says that you have finished with sin, which means you won't want it. And then it goes on to say, you will spend the rest, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious, which means consumed with care, anxious to do the will of God. The will of God is not just something to be known, it's something to be done. And so many of us are consumed with knowing what, what God wants us to do. Will is not knowledge, it's an action. And if you don't know God's will for the next season, go back to doing the last thing God asks you to do. Because why would God give a new will to somebody that hasn't done the thing that God asked you to do three years ago? No, he's, we still on that. Come on, can somebody hear the Lord saying, we still on that? We, we, we still on that. Stop praying about your career and where God would have you work. Stop speaking in tongues, talking about, Lord, do you want me to buy a Honda or do you want me to buy a Nissan? Lord, do you want me to live in Sherman Oaks or you want me to live in Koreatown? I can hear the Lord opening up the heavens, shouting from his throne, I don't care. <laughs> we spend too much time praying about things that don't have an eternal outcome. God's like, I don't care. Like, I don't, you want to live in Koreatown? Live in Koreatown. But whatever you do, do it like you're working for the Lord. It says whatever you do, do it like you're working from the Lord. And here's why I believe we are so obsessed with trying to find that natural will of God. Because we're actually trying to put God on the hook for doing something for us that we don't have the character. So if we can feel like God said to do it, then we can get mad at God when he doesn't. When the Bible says, whatever you do, there's a maturity that you can have in your character where God goes, whatever you put your hands to, I will bless you if the entire foundation of your life is wanting to do my will. Is everybody tracking with me? You, you're, you're, you have your own will and God has a will. And it says that if we actually allow ourselves to suffer, the suffering is this. Ooh, I want that. God doesn't want me to have that. It makes me feel like I'm suffering. And so you have a choice. Do I, do I quench the suffering or do I quench the spirit? And the Bible says that this choice brings an emotional distress on you. That if you don't sit under, it will not transform you into the person you need to be to achieve the things you've been praying about. 
And then when you don't get the things you've been praying about, they become your idol and you move from praying about it to praying to it because it's the thing that matters to you the most. And then the devil will show up and say, I got you right where I want you. Let me give you that because the thing you've been praying for, that's how it works. It's how it works. And so God's will is like really complex in the sense that when I did a study, it comes from two words in the New Testament, a Greek word called boule. Somebody say boule. Sounds like a, a like an amazing, not bootleg, boule. But somebody in here does have some bootleg faith. Who am I preaching to? Not just, you know, we use everything. Boule. And it means a desire based off of reasoning or counsel. So there is a will that comes directly from your counsel. So the will is the action that you take. And the main word for the will is something that came from the counsel you have. So for example, if you are frustrated with your wife and you go tell your best friend you want to leave your wife, and your best friend says, well, you know how it goes. It doesn't work out all the time. Then you go home and tell your wife you want a divorce because sometimes you had the counsel told you to do that. Now, that's not if you went through a divorce. Stuff happens, but I'm saying typically we're counseled to do that. So I'm not saying that you should stay in a relationship that's toxic or abusive because the Bible says so. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying where the will came to want to do that is typically from counsel. You talk to someone and someone said they, that you should do this. In the same way, if you grow up in a hyper-religious church where you'll be um, excommunicated from the church, if you get a divorce, you will stay in a marriage that some people have stayed in marriages that are abusive because the church says God hates divorce and the will comes from the council. So I'm not saying that uh, I'm not trying to direct you into what to do, but I'm trying to submit to you that the main, the first type of the will comes from the council. And so if you want to be married, marry a man or a woman who submits to counsel. Here's why. Because if you are going to, come on, young ladies, if you get engaged and the third groomsman down ain't marriage material, that's your husband's counsel. So that's the person he's going to go to when he discovers that you're not as perfect as he thought you were when he was standing on that altar. And if that person tells him, well, you know how women are, then now his counsel becomes his will. This is so good. <laughs> Do you know I have gone to friends of mine, angry at Christina, convinced that it was her? And all three said it's you. You got to make some changes. And sometimes they said, well, I can see why you think that's her. But as the man, it's still on you. And I wanted to call, I like, I'm about to call Flavor Flavor somebody. I just, I just made up somebody. I need someone to agree with what I'm saying right now. You ever tell somebody something and they tell you, you, every time I bring something to you, I just feel like you're telling Raise your hand if you hate feedback. Make some noise if you hate feedback. Woo -woo! <laughs> Meaning you get defensive every time I tell you something. I'm not being defensive. I'm just being passionate. No, you're being defensive. <laughs> no, this is how I get when I'm a... 
know that's the right way to say it right now. I'm not being defensive. I'm just being passionate. Passionate person. No, you're being defensive. Come on, feedback haters. Make some noise. When you hate feedback, that just means I only want to be my own counsel. And your will is determined by your counsel. Every person that I know is moving forward in their life and they're being successful has counsel. Every single person. Man, one of the things I think about all the time, man, I love my brother Ben, man. He's like a young artist. And when artists get creative, like they kind of just follow their own. But I'm, I hardly met that many young, a young person like this who just desires counsel. Like he has three people that he calls all the time and gets counsel. He gets counsel on his music from people that ain't bought an album since Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> and he's still asking them for counsel. And he's asking for counsel in his marriage. He's asking for counsel who he is. And young people, when they don't want counsel, say, I feel like the Lord is telling me, I just feel like God told me to quit, quit, quit my job. And then they come ask me for help with the rent. And I say, I just feel like the Lord's telling you he got it. That's what I'm feeling right now in the spirit. You didn't accept any counsel, then don't give me the problem when the counsel. So your, your will is shaped by your counsel. And here's the thing. We are all being counseled by something. Some of y'all's will is shaped by the counsel. I, I, Lord, help me preach this. An invisible counsel, because you weren't approved of by one of your parents, it created the invisible counsel that you're not enough. And so off of that counsel, you're trying to be enough in your life because your counsel is the invisible counsel of someone who rejected you or abandoned you. And that's called the spirit of rejection where rejection counsels you. And you create a will based off that counsel. There's no other place in the Bible than these two places that I'm giving you right now where the will comes from. This is why Paul said this. Paul preached for three years. I've been the pastor in October for four years. Paul preached to the church of Ephesus for three years and said this phrase, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he's saying. He literally said, if you go to hell, it's not my fault. Read Acts chapter 20. He said, if y'all perish and you go to hell, it's not my fault. He'd only been with them three years, and he goes, hey, something happened to y'all, it's on you. You know why he said that? Acts 20. And I'm going to give you this verse. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. But Acts 20, verse 26 to 27 says, Therefore I test to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He was talking about the will. That word counsel and will is the same. I gave you everything God wanted me to tell you, so I tried to shape your human will by the whole counsel of God. I didn't leave anything in the word out. And how many of us know to have a big LA church, you often have to leave parts of the counsel out so people don't get offended. But then when they go to hell, God will hold me accountable because I shrunk back from the whole counsel. Oh my God. The whole counsel. You can sit in LA church for 30 years and not hear because we don't want to say anything that makes you get up and walk out because we love you and we're compassionate. So I'm seeking God's will on how do I share the whole counsel 
The whole council, when I'm done, I want to say I shared the whole council because it's the council of God that determines your will. And how can I blame you for not being ready for all that God has, has for you and I withheld counsel? The only way I can blame you is that if you don't want any counsel. Do you know that some of you have the most prophetic plans? And do you know that when, when someone comes up to me and tells me that God told them to do something, uh, uh, the fact that they heard from God is not the reason why I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen because of counsel. Not because of the word, because of the way that he manages counsel. Not his gift, not his talent, but counsel. Do you know the Bible says this in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, this is so good, man. I'm preaching to myself. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. It doesn't say without counsel, plans fail unless the plan is prophetic and you got it in your quiet time from God. Then it doesn't fail. But no, the first thing you should do when you get a prophetic word is to seek counsel. How arrogant and prideful are we to think that Samuel... The prophet slept in the presence of the Lord and God called him three times and he thought it was his dad. He thought it was the priest. He went to Eli three times. God opened up the heavens and spoke to him personally while he's sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant and he was confused three times. But you, who's been going to church for three months, are 100% accurate. <laughs> Come on, man. This brother slept in the presence of God and he was confused. Or how about Moses? In, in Exodus chapter 3, God spoke to him in a burning bush. You ain't out here and go, Lord manifests himself in one of them pigeons outside that ain't scared of nobody and gave you a revelation that you're supposed to go to Egypt and set his people free. Y'all would come right in here, quit the worship team, quit the service team, quit your job, and go straight to Egypt because you were outside and the Lord turned your staff into a snake and then you picked it up and then he put leprosy. This is all the stuff that happened in Exodus. You got a pastor, you weren't there. I was at Joshua Tree and, and, and the burning bush lit on fire. I was at Joshua Tree with my friends and, and God lit the burning bush on fire and he said to me clearly, I'm supposed to go into the entertainment industry. I'm supposed to quit my job. You don't understand that you weren't there. The bush was on fire. The bush was on fire. The bush was on fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just getting all deep and spiritual. And you did not have anywhere near a revelation that Moses had. And what does the Bible say in Exodus 4 that Moses did? Moses went to his father-in-law Jethro and got counsel. And by the way, if you read it, Moses didn't tell Jethro the revelation. He got a prophetic word from God himself who lit a bush on fire and then went to his father-in-law and said just this sentence, with your permission, may I go to Egypt? And Jethro said, go in peace. So he trusted that if God had said it to him, he would also say it to his counsel. And now the plans of God and the counsel of God came together to guarantee the will of God. I feel like preaching to somebody today who has a prophetic plan, but you have demonic counsel. TikTok is demonic counsel because you are looking at somebody else's views of their song snippet 
And because your views are lower, you start to allow someone else's views to counsel your approach to your music and your destiny. And now you have a prophetic word and demonic counsel, which comes from comparison. I feel like preaching today to somebody who has a prophetic word, but demonic counsel. If you want the plans of God to succeed, you need a word from heaven and you need the whole counsel of God. This is the place where the will comes from. And you know the only other place that the will comes from in the Bible? It comes from a Greek word, which I forgot, but thank God I wrote it down. Chicken, 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 chicken. <laughs> where in the Lord is it? I just keep thinking about the chicken. Okay. <laughs> That's what I do to get me back in the spirit. It gets me back in the spirit. I feel the anointing every time I say it. Somebody, people say Hallelujah. Praise God, I'm just going to be like, the chicken, the chicken, the chicken. Thelema, they put it on the screen for me. I didn't even look at it. You know, I'm just like. All right, so boule is counsel. Thelema is desire. So will comes from two places and two places only, counsel and desire. So when you have a desire and you have counsel, every decision you come, you make, every decision you make comes from your desires or your counsel. And if you have a desire that is opposite of the word of God, you better have a counsel that's counseling you in the word of God. But if you want to guarantee God's will, then your counsel and your desires have got to come from God. It guarantees the will of God. Can I help someone today? You no longer have to seek God about your life and what you want to do as long as your counsel comes from God and your desires come from God it is 100% going to be fulfilled. But if your desire came from God and your counsel comes from the devil, what, did, what, what was the first sin? What was the first sin? Demonic counsel. Let us make man in our image that they may be like us. Let us create a Garden of Eden where they can walk with us and talk with us so they can be like us. And all of a sudden the devil said, if these people fulfill that word, I will be displaced. Because remember, he was kicked out of heaven, and God's plan was to kick the devil out of earth. God's plan is to kick the devil out of your life, so the devil has nowhere to go but eternal damnation and fire. So he's saying, if I can't have heaven, I want the earth. So the devil heard God say, let us make man in our image, and then he went and gave Adam and Eve counsel. He said, did God really say And then he said to them, God knows that you will be like him. So it, what was the mission? What was the will? Let us make man in our image. What was the plan? Let us make man in our image that they may be like us. What was the counsel? Do it this way. Because God will be mad that you'll be like him. So a prophetic plan was destroyed by dem demonic counsel. And the enemy gave them a desire for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil based off the counsel that he had given them. And now they could not resist their desire once they had listened to the... Wow. This, is, this is my top ten. The day that Drake drops a Greatest Hits album, I'm going to put this sermon back up on the internet. 
Do you hear what I'm telling you? It only comes from those two places. It only comes from those two places. And so, so we need prophetic plans. God's going to do it, but you also need prophetic counsel, which creates prophetic desires. You know, the Bible says this crazy thing. Thelema, the result of a desire. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, which does not mean, and the way it's been used, that God's going to give you whatever your janky heart wants. <laughs> the word give means to set or exchange. It means, hey, my janky little buddy, you know that desire you have in your heart that's all about you, and you want to be famous so you can be affirmed? I'm going to take that, and I'm going to give you a desire to be a school teacher. What? Why would any sane person rather be a kindergarten teacher than a world-famous influencer? No. So he, has, he knows that. You cannot choose that. So he has to take the desire to be famous, and he says, go back to school and be a kindergarten teacher. Why? Do you know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher when I was a kid. And then someone told me that kindergarten teachers make 40K a year. I'm not doing that. I, I would have been the coldest kindergarten teacher that ever existed. Coldest. It's my gift. Children are my gift. You see me, kids? But I rejected that because of counsel. Counsel. Maybe God would have had me write books on kindergarten teachers. I could have been a million. I don't know. But once someone gave me that counsel, well, you can't provide for your family being a kindergarten teacher. No, maybe I'll just be a kindergarten teacher and God will provide for me in ways that he hasn't provided for you. So just because it ain't happening in your life don't mean it ain't going to happen in my life. So, so I, I, I got to, I, I got to, I, I can't, I'm over time. Chicken, 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 chicken. That means I'm saying Hallelujah. God, that chicken was good. Galatians 5, 17 says this. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The flesh is your human part. So yeah, that is you. That is your personality. That is you. But the spirit that's in you wants to do something different than what you want to do. So it says the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So the new definition of hate speech and culture is me telling you to do anything different than what you feel compelled in your humanity to do. And by the way, most of that is hate speech because those people don't care about those people. If you don't care about those people, you hate them. The Bible says hate in the Bible is loving less than God intends. There is no, in, the, in our culture we have love, hate, and I really ain't feeling them. That ain't, you know, we say that I just don't vibe with them like that. That's not in the Bible. In the Bible, it's only hate and only love. Did you know that? So the Bible says, if you don't love people the way that God intended for you to love them, then everything you say to them is hate speech. Even if you say come to church. Because you're not telling them to come to church so they can find Jesus. You tell them to come to church so you can count them. And the last time I read my Bible, God told pastors to feed sheep, not count them. I I'm about to. <laughs> hey, 
everything is hate speech if you don't. It's not just me telling you about your sexuality. If I don't love you, it's hate speech. I can tell you about your sexuality and it's hate speech. I can tell you to come to church next Sunday, it's hate speech. Because if I don't love you, everything I say is motivated by the fact that I don't care about you. And I'm trying to manipulate you. I can tell you to join the internship program and it's hate speech. I've seen it. But if I deeply love you, then the things that I tell you, even if they go against what your human nature wants to do, then you don't feel the hate because you know that you know that you know that I love you. And I'm just telling you that there's this desire in your flesh that's different in the one in the spirit. And what fool would tell someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit about a different desire? Why are we telling the world who doesn't have the Holy Spirit that they shouldn't have that desire? It's the only one they got. That's not my job. My job is to talk to people where they know those two desires are competing with each other. And my job then becomes to put them in an environment where their counsel and the presence of God changes their desire. Can I, can I have the team come up? Because this is, this is going to change somebody's life today. If there's anything in your life that you are not doing that you know that God wants you to do, it only comes from those two places. And I can save you so much time in your prayer closet of seeking God for his will because you really don't. Because people with godly counsel and godly desires, nearly everything they do is the will. Because the will is revealed over time. It's not this or that. It's both and. Both and. There's this beautiful verse in Isaiah 30. Uh, I believe it starts in verse 18 where it says that God's going to give you bread for adversity and, 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 and trials to drink. And, and those shape you and form you. And it says when you get uh, uh, ready and he deals with that it says your teachers your counsel will be hidden from you no more and then you're going to hear a voice saying this is the way walk in it whether you go to the right or to the left it ain't going to matter because God has shaped your heart he's changed your desires you have counsel and now both ways have the opportunity to be blessed and we are going to be a church that Door number one is blessed. Door number two is blessed. Door number three is blessed. Door number four is blessed. And we don't have to pray which door to go through. If you want to be an actor, be an actor. If you want to be an artist, be an artist. If you want to be a school teacher, be a school teacher. If you want to be a pastor, be a pastor. As long as the desires in your heart come from God and the counsel in your life comes from God. I want you to stand to your feet because there's somebody in here right now that has a prophetic dream and demonic counsel. And I am not here to bash social media. But if social media is where you're getting your counsel from, well, this person did this, this influencer did that, this person did this, then you have a prophetic dream. If, if their success is making you feel like if they're streaming numbers, did you Google how much somebody streamed? Did you Google and look how many views somebody else's video had? And are you making decisions that God has given you a prophetic dream, but the enemy right now is trying to tell you, did God really say? And so many people in LA have a prophetic word from God and demonic counsel. And if I may be so bold, some of that demonic counsel is your own counsel. You, your counsel is the mirror. You look in the mirror and you tell yourself what you should do. You tell yourself, but God is saying, if you would get in my presence, get in the house of the Lord, get some counsel in your life, then I can give you a dream that, that I'm going to fulfill because your desires and your counsel, if they are godly, will always produce the will of God. So if you have a desire today that is not of the Lord, 
and you have counsel that is not of the Lord, I want you to lift your hands if you have one or the other and just pray. Y'all been listening to other voices. Pastor, I've been listening to other voices. I've been listening to other voices. I've been listening to my own voice, my, 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 my mom's voice, my, my dad's voice, somebody who's rejected me voice. I, I, I need better, better, better counsel. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Raise up. I pray somebody in this room would be connected so that they would have counsel in their life. Connected with believers. Lord, you've done a great work in my life recently with counsel. Where I have three men that are 70 plus in my life giving me counsel because I have plans in my life and I need the counsel of God that comes from godly men that have shown themselves faithful. Lord, give them that, that counsel as you give them their desires. Lord, if anyone has in this desire in their heart that's not of you, even if it feels, Lord, I pray that they would be willing to suffer, feeling the difference between your desire and their own, and so that you would complete a great work in them, Jesus, one that shapes them and transforms them into the person that can handle all that you want to do in their lives. And there is no greater will for anyone in the earth than this beautiful thing that the Lord says that he is patient because it's his will, his desire, that all all of humanity would be saved is what the Bible says, that that's God's desire. And so I'm gonna have you put your hand down. And there's somebody in here that before they can worry about all the other wills of God, the will of God for your life is salvation. And at the 1115 service, there are probably countless amounts of people who have come here and even, either they've grown up understanding that Jesus exists or that God exists, but they've never, never actually given their life to the Lord, never asked actually sought godly counsel through godly community, and they want to put their faith in Jesus today. Or there's somebody in this room where when you were a kid, you went to church, and it's been years, and you've fallen away, and you need to recommit your life to the Lord. So if that's you in this place, and we're all made in the image of God, I'm not asking you to listen to me. Listen to that uh, part of your spiritual DNA that God created with, within you, that, that you know that I'm telling you the truth, and you know you need to give your life to the Lord, or you need to come back to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to do something. I just want you to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you and say, I want to give my life to the Lord. I need to come back to God right now. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. Just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. If you want to give your life to the Lord right now, thank you, Jesus. I see hands on shoulders. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now and say, I want to come to the Lord. Leave your hand on their shoulder. Come, I'll give you a couple of more minutes. Just put your hand on somebody's shoulder saying, I want to come to the Lord. Now, if somebody put their hand on, their, on your shoulder, I want you to walk them down here right now as a new brother and sister in Christ and just say, I'm going to pray for you. Walk them down to the front. Walk your new brother and sister in Christ down to the front. Come on, walk them down. Give God a great big hand clap and shout of praise as people are walking down either currently fed. Come on, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're in the balcony, just walk them down to the front, right there in the front of the glass. Just walk them down to the front. Come on, can we continue to give God a great big hand clap and shout of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. People in the front, in the balcony, people in the front. Now, if you didn't do that, and you're like, oh man, I was too late. I'm going to give you one more chance. 
Just put your hand on their shoulder right now. Say, man, I don't know why I was being prideful. My bad. My bad. Put your hand on their shoulder right now, if that's you. Just put your hand on the shoulder. This is the greatest decision you can make. Raise your hand if somebody has their hand on your shoulder right now that didn't come down. It's all good if everybody's already down here. I can't see nothing in the balcony, but that's okay. I feel like they're, praise God. I knew there was one more person. That, that's what I'm talking about, girl. Let's go. Give God a great big hand clap and shout of praise, you bold woman of God. Let's go. We got more people coming down from the left. Y'all better keep clapping until your hands get ashy. God is moving up in this place. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. So if you walk somebody down here, I want you to put their hand on your shoulder. I just want you to pray a blessing over them. Say, God, thank you. If you know them, just tell them you're proud of them. Tell them how much you love them. But more importantly, tell them how much God loves them. Begin to pray over them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank Jesus for their life. Thank Jesus that you got to participate in this moment. Just thank Jesus for it. Thank you, Lord. We're in the pray that God would continue to guide them and lead them. This can't happen unless the Lord's already leading them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are we going to let them pray for 30 more seconds just in case there's one person it's almost like you felt like you wanted to put your hand on their shoulder, but you felt like something was stopping you. People are still coming forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank God. Thank God for your salvation. Salvation is the will of the Lord. Not tomorrow. All right, I'm going to say one more thing. There's this really troubling verse in the Bible. I'm not sure where it is, but I know it's in Exodus. And anybody heard of the 10 plagues? Uh, that got Egypt or got Israel out of Egypt. Well, one of the plagues was the plagues of frogs. And the plague of frogs, the, God filled all of Egypt with frogs. And Pharaoh was like, you got to get these frogs out of here. I'll do what God wants me to do. Get these frogs out of here. And Moses tells Pharaoh, you set the time when you want me to get rid of all these frogs. You know what Pharaoh said? He said, tomorrow. Nobody knows why he said tomorrow, but he could have said now. And he lived for another 24 hours with a debilitating frog plague because he said tomorrow. And so many times we say tomorrow to something that God wants to do now. So don't let the devil tell you tomorrow or next Sunday when you know that you know that you know that now is the time to give your heart to the Lord. So I'm going to let another 30 seconds as people clap for you, for you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder and make the best decision of your life and come forward and put your faith in Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right, did y'all pray for each other up front? I know there's somebody. I don't know if it's in the balcony. I can't see, but I know there's somebody. who. We're going to all say this prayer together. Father in heaven. Come on, everybody. Father in heaven. 
thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. And thank you that now I'm getting my desires and my counsel from Jesus and the people he sends into my life. From this day forward, I am, come on, I am a follower of Jesus. And I will try the chicken from blood souls. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I saw my wife shaking her head at the end of that prayer. I'm trying to bless the people. Come on, excite y'all excited about what God is doing in our church in this city. Hey, before you walk away from the front, we have a number we'd love for you to text 818-213-0505. Text the word connect. Matter of fact, if you came up here and you brought somebody up here, make sure that you tell them to bring their phones out. We want to connect with them, get them involved in the life of our church. What is the date on my hat? Come on, what is the date on my hat? What's the date of my sweatshirt? And what day is that? Come on, somebody. Love you so much, like I always say, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.